Welcome to the Visma Ski Classics podcast, Usha Tulevi. Visma Ski Classics is the long-distance ski championships with 35 pro teams. In season 12, there are 14 races in 12 event locations, bringing pro team athletes and recreational skiers together. On this podcast series, we'll analyze the events on the Pro Tour and the Challenger Series, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. This podcast is sponsored by Salomon. Salomon is a French sports equipment manufacturing company based in the heart of the French Alps. Now Salomon brings to the market a more sustainable Nordic ski, S-Max E-Skin. This new S-Max E-Skin is more environmentally friendly since 45% of the ski core is made of recycled plastic bottles. This new Salomon S-Max E-Skin is the best option for active skiers who are looking for a performance and flexible free solution. Hello folks, once again this is Usha Tulevi and we have just witnessed an amazing Machalonga. Ermil Vokue's performance out of this world and also Ida Dahl, really strong as always. Great race, one of the classics and it is definitely the Grand Classics uh, race in Visma Ski Classics. The first one after this we have three more stages in Visma Ski uh, Visma Grand Classics Trophy uh, competition. But my guest today is uh, Kai Magria, uh, a commentator in English, also my uh, sometimes my co-commentator as well. And later on, I'll also talk to Amangna Dalen. I'll give him a call and we'll find out uh, what the Team Rakte uh, Charge Director has to say about the race and his team. But first of all, Guy, good to have you on, on our show, on this podcast. Uh, what a race it was. I mean, really exciting, much longer history in the making. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great to uh, great to chat with you again, uh, Temu. Of course, it brings back memories of us working uh, together in the commentary box on uh, Visma Ski Classics races. Yeah, I mean, uh, we all know about this race, uh, the Marcia Longa. We've commentated it together, of course, uh, over the years. The last uh, Sunday in January, the Grand Classic, as you say, the first of the Grand Classics. Uh, but this was right up there uh, for me. Um, as I say, we've worked together over the years uh, on the race. We've had some amazing uh, stories uh, in the magical backdrop that is the Marcia Longa. But this has got to be right up there. I mean, for me, uh, commentating the race with uh, with Yeni Larson and uh, with Oivin Moenfield, <laughs> we were saying it. I, I don't know about you. I mean, when Emil Vokuev made that breakaway, I don't think anyone... I uh, would have expected him to be skiing, what was it, for 63, 64 kilometres all the way to the finish uh, on his own. It's got to be, uh, you know, the time that I've been commentating now, what is the seventh winter of working in uh, Visma Ski Classics myself, uh, looking at the history of uh, of the Pro Tour, it's got to be up there as one of the great victories, uh, I would say. I mean, the one that always comes to mind for me is uh, Ricard Tinel, uh, La Diagonella. Uh, that breakaway was pretty incredible. Uh, but my hot take, if you like, on it is that this is even better. I mean, considering uh, the, if you like, the the stature of the race, uh, we talk about that a lot. All the skiers, well, they always want to win, of course, but this is you know, it's one of the grand classics, one of the, the biggest races out there. For Vokovic to go and do that, to have um, the combination, uh, really, of uh, the shape um, the audacity 
as well to try it uh, and just the sheer brilliance as well to execute it uh, in general, mentally and physically. Uh, it was, I think it took everyone's breath away, uh, the, the way he managed to pull that off. Indeed. And you just mentioned that you had uh, Yenny and Irvin there with you. Three of you, that's kind of interesting uh, chemistry, I assume. I had Ari Lusu here. Uh, I commentated uh, here in Finland, you know, for Via Play. And Ari Lusu, of course, uh, used to be the best Finnish uh, skier uh, in the game. Uh, we also were kind of the, wondering the same thing, you know, that we didn't think that it's going to last. Uh, but how was the, the working with uh, Yenny and, and Irvin? Uh, that's kind of an interesting two expert commentators there with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we tried actually, we tried this for the first time on the uh, on the Visma Ski Classics on the play commentary, the English commentary uh, for the first time. Uh, and it was last weekend. We actually had uh, Emily Fletten in from uh, Team Expanding Fuel of Norway uh, with Yeni. Yeni has been with us, uh, obviously, unfortunately, injured at the moment, has been with us. You've worked with her uh, this winter in season 12 already. But we had Emily in, who was excellent. I mean, I felt really, really privileged personally to... Uh, I love working with you. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> in the past, Tammy, but uh, it's been it's been amazing. I think you can relate to that. The uh, the insight, uh, just the level of um, if you like affinity to uh, to the brand, to the to the championship, to the elites on the pro tour, to the skiers that Yeni Larson has uh, brought. Of course, former winner of a stage of uh, Engadine La Diagonella uh, in uh, season eleven. Emily Fletten was excellent. Of course, she was out back on the start line. Uh, today uh, from Moena to uh, Cavalese for Marcia Longa and Oven Moenfield as well. Great guy to have in as well to bring that, uh, if you like, that affinity with the uh, with the elites in the men's race because uh, Oven had, has had a great career before uh, finishing up. I mean, you know, skied the Marcia Longa, what was it, five times? Uh, has regularly been at the, the top of the field, has been top four, top five so many times. So I think the thing I'm trying to say there is that it's been a privilege to work with them because... Uh, they bring such insight. And I think that's what we're trying to do with it going forward is trying to bring all those, uh, you know, try and raise things the whole time um, in, in terms of what we can bring to the viewers, to the audience around the world. Um, and as you say, that that's, um, I actually had to look this up, uh, this word, Temu, um, in terms of if you have a dual commentary, and I looked into it, I wonder what, if you know the answer to this, actually, uh, in terms of when you have a commentary trio, what that is. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I know that it's been done. I mean, in, in America, yeah. they have a lot of these game shows or the the big, you know, they like football and they have three commentators. But uh, I don't know what the term is. It's um, it's it's a trio. Trio. <laughs> yeah, trio. <laughs> uh, okay. I, did, I, I didn't know that. I had to look it up. It doesn't sound quite right, but I've checked it. It is because we know about dual commentary, but we've been doing trio commentary. Uh uh, and it's been a, it's been a real experience. I think you were talking about other sports. Um, I wasn't outright skeptical. I'm always willing to uh, to try new things, but uh, I think that uh, I've seen it in other sports, and you have to have a clear plan. And I think something that we've got going in the commentary, yeah, we've done it a couple of times, is that particularly uh, here for this race, is we had expert insight in terms of both of the the elite lists. So we obviously had Yeni on on the women's side. And uh, or even on the men's side, then obviously in my role, you know, leading the commentary, asking them the questions and everything else. I felt we were we provided a balanced commentary because I think that's the problem with other sports I've found is that when they try and overload, if you like that second expert commentator, 
doesn't really have a lot to do, doesn't have really a defined role. But I think we've we've found a solution to that pretty quickly. And maybe just the nature of long distance cross country skiing allows you to do that more easily. I don't know. We've done it a couple of times. But yeah, I had a real blast with it, uh, to be honest. And I think it's something that uh, we'll uh, we'll hopefully look to do uh, over the course of the rest of uh, season 12, maybe a few times more. Good that you pointed that that out, you know, the kind of the balance that you had Irvin and Yannick, like, like both sides, the male and female, uh, and you mentioned the nature of the sport, you know, I think uh, you're right about it. I mean, we have to follow both the men's race and the women's race. And then when you have two commentators, there are experts, it, it's really, it's much easier to do that. And I also had a really good time with, with Ari and, and the same thing on the same page with you earlier that it was really good to have someone who really can go deep because Ari just quit his career you know skiing career last after you know last season he was third uh, after you know the Orefes Lopet the 100k race he was on the podium and then he decided to finish his uh, skiing career after the summer but uh, he has some insights that he, about the uh, the the race but also the the sport and everything so it's it's really good to have have those uh, commentators but let's start talking about the Marcel Longa uh, the race itself uh, in more detail so that'll be next for us we talked about Vokuev's performance amazing performance outstanding but if we go through the race point by point. So men started first, five minutes before the ladies. There was a couple, not really a breakaway attempt early on, but at the beginning, it looked pretty much like the business as usual. And some of the, I would call support skiers or not not the, you know, the favorites were kind of like in the front, maybe kind of trying to see if there's a little bit of a breakaway taking place uh, until Vokuev attacked. Yeah, yeah, six or seven kilometers in at that point, as you say. I mean, it was kind of set up. I mean, Oivin Moenfield in the uh, Oivin in the commentary was saying that because he actually, if you remember, uh, it was a couple of years ago, tried an early break uh, with the likes of Oscar Cardin uh, uh, there in the early part of the race. But as you suggest, we're we're used to seeing that, but those breaks don't really turn out to too much. Maybe they're resulting in some sprint points through to Canazé, but not much more than that. Uh, but uh, And there was nothing to suggest early on when he did it. I mean, he got clear, but you just you just weren't expecting that to turn out uh, in that manner. I think the thing that stood out, I mean, in terms of the uh, the race itself was his shape. And we've always talked, haven't we, about Emil Vokuev being having this kind of maverick quality. Like, you know how good he can be, but actually race to race... You're not sure about his consistency. And I think that's been the thing, not just looking at the Marchilonga here, the unbelievable race that he's had overall, but just looking at the early part of that race, how good he looked, how good his shape looked early on, that he looked, he mean, you know, meant business uh, from early on. And I'd say that about the Russian winter team in general, uh, as we reflect on this race, they're skiers. Uh, you know, another aspect of things we discussed on the live commentary, we've done a few times. You and I have talked about it in the past. Where you look at the Russian winter team, their roster uh, of talent, and you go, this is a team that could win the pro team competition if it really, really was consistent and worked through the winter. And I think this is what we're seeing a little bit different so far this winter. You know, you think of Olga Sareva, who skied very well in this race for a very long time. Uh, the Marcia Longa as well. On both sides of things, in terms of consistency, they are much more consistent this winter. And that's encouraging. You know, they're top three or so in the standings at the moment. Uh, So that was something that stood out with uh, Vokuev. And 
I think, Tammy, the other thing I would say is, uh, you know, if you look at the race as it developed around towards Canazé and uh, beyond, was just for once, another thing I'd say uh, from early on, is whereas Vokuev was decisive, normally you've got a chasing, you've got the peloton, the chasing group, work together. And that just didn't happen here, really. Uh, that was the other one of the other things that stood out for me. You know, even if you come through beyond Canazé towards the first of the climbs, the Saraga Hill, uh, there. I mean, he's got a before then two minute, two minutes, 20. It just never, ever really deviated uh, because we're used to seeing that chasing group work together and it just didn't happen uh, today here at all. That's true. And just like uh, Stato said, you know, uh, when he was interviewed after the race, that they were a bit confused. I mean, they, as you said, they've seen a lot of breakaways. That's that usually happens, but not by one of the one of the favorites, not by a strong skier like Ermil and that early on. And you mentioned the Russians, you know, uh, so Ermil won the race, uh, but Maxim also uh, he was third. His first podium, he's been up there close, and everybody remembers that you know Maxim, you know from the you know the world uh, World Cup, of course, and and World Championships and uh, the Olympics. But now he's been putting his focus on long distance skiing, so he was there, and also Alexei Semyakin seventh. Mm, so mm. The, the the team, and you mentioned Olga Tsarova uh, sixth in the in the women's race, really a strong strong team. Uh, so that's definitely Russian. So the Russian winter team is 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 becoming. One of the strongest teams it already is, uh, and and of course Team Ramudin so far has been the n- number one. But when we think about the women, they were five minutes behind the the guys. It's a little bit different ball game and strategy there uh, for the ladies. Like Astrid said, that the the beginning was quite slow. Yeah, and I, I no for sure, for sure, Tammy. And I I think uh, Astrid said that herself. I mean, uh, that was the other thing. I mean, maybe gets a little bit overshadowed uh, by the other performances uh, that we've already talked about already. Emil Vokuev, and I'm sure we'll talk about Ida Dahl again, as we as you're doing basically every every weekend on the uh, on the Orsha to uh, Levy podcast uh, with her shape and her unbelievable achievements. Uh, but I think that was useful for Astrid, of course, who'd missed the last couple of uh, events. Uh, you know, oh, that's such bad luck, I think, Astrid. You look over her career uh, in this key January madness, this this key period where you've got to be healthy. You know, we always look at Astrid or Islind and we go, OK, champion yellow bib contender every time. And uh, it, it, you've got to have that consistency, as we always say, you've got to be producing points, performances, high scoring performances, uh, basically every stage of this Mesquite Classics. But she's missed out on the last two. Um, I think it helped her reflecting on the start of the uh, looking back on the start of the women's race, because she was in that lead group that was there for a while. Um, and as she said herself, it wasn't a particularly fast pace uh, there overall. So it allowed her to settle in uh, to the race and really test her shape out uh, so she wasn't kind of burned from the early stages. So that helped her uh, through to uh, Canazé. As I say, Ida Dahl, extremely, stro- extremely strong, uh, as we've seen. I mean, Dahl's results, we were looking at them on the commentary, incredible. I'm sure you were the same way. You know, look at the consistency uh, that she's had, the shape she's managed to uh, maintain there. And uh, yeah, it was really, I mean, you look at the, the women's race, the key moment uh, going forward with that was when the two of them, Dahl and uh, Uris Lind, uh, broke together. It was really, it was after that Saraga Hill, after Lenfinita, wasn't it? After they, they broke away after that, they got the top two points positions on the climb uh, competition there. And then they were able to break away and they never really looked back from there. The rest of the women's field that had been bunched together prior to that, more or less, uh, just couldn't keep up. 
Exactly, and that's what Ida said. You know that she didn't feel that that good. You know at the beginning, but that climb uh, when they approached that, uh, she felt much better, and she was able to attack. And uh, they, as you said, they continued Astrid and Anita continued their their breakaway after the climb. And then there was just those those two behind them. Though there was a little bit of a different. I mean, Britta Johansson Nugren and Lena. And then we had Magni Smados uh, as well, and Olga Chareva. So uh, quite a lot of happening behind those two mm. in the women's mm. race. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, different stories there as well. I mean, Magni as well was just coming back as well. Uh, you often have to look at that, you know, look at an athlete's shape and what they're doing there uh, in the context of where they are. I mean, I already mentioned with Astrid, but uh, yeah, with Magni the same uh, there. It was funny to see Britta. I mean, you look at Britta's results recently, was saying back to her best uh, form, but she kind of struggled, obviously, to match the pace uh, in the second half of the race as it went into the Fiume Valley there uh, as well. So that was an interesting aspect. I think something we were saying on the live commentary, uh, Temu, as well, with uh, Yeni Larson about this, is just the women's... And, you know, it's something going back over the years when we commented, commentated together on the races in previous seasons of uh, this Mesqui Classics about this. It's just how much stronger that women's field is. I, I know we've made this point a few times, but, you know, you have Britta Johansson Norgren there back towards her best. And actually... In the past, I would say in a race like that, she probably wins uh, the race here uh, today. But it's just the, the depth in the field now, uh, the quality in the field. And you see what Dahl and the returning Oris Lind have done there. And even what Britta was doing for a while there. You mentioned Olga Sareva there as well at the same time. Uh, we give a mention as well to Anakin uh, Yerda Alnesh as well of Ragda Charge. There's just so many names now, so many quality skiers in the uh, the women's field that uh, she had a fight on her hands, Britta, there to even uh, even wrap up fourth position, uh, you know, for a little while behind uh, behind Ida and behind Astrid and uh, behind Lena Korsgren as well, of course, last year's winner. You mentioned Annik, and I think, uh, or it seems to me that uh, she was given an order order to collect points, you know, at sprint competition. I'm going to ask Mangler about that mm. uh, when I call him. But uh, but you're right. I mean, the, this, the field is definitely uh, growing both sides and not just in the women's but the men's but that's kind of obvious we always known that the you know the the competition in the men's race is really really tough but now the women are also becoming much much stronger but going back to the men's race uh, about 40 i think 40 skiers uh, Vukov was in the lead by himself and then 40 skiers were in the the peloton or the main group all the way pretty much all the way to the uh, the stadium Stadium being their second sprint point and the famous Lago, Lago di Tesero Stadium at uh, 55 kilometer point. So nothing really happened there. I, I mean, Trustic Vokwev there kept the kind of the distance, the same two minute gap. And as you mentioned, no one in the peloton was eager to just try to chase him or just, uh, you know, close the gap. Which was yeah, pretty, I know. pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, your voice gives it away there. I mean, we were just surprised because you're used to seeing people work together, skiers work together. I think uh, it was funny for Tordashli Yadalan there because, uh, you know, Mr. Marcelonga, <laughs> overall the three-time winner, second the last couple of years. I mean, if anyone knows how to manage a race, uh, manage the Marcelonga and haul a breakaway skier in, I mean, this guy does, uh, of course. But uh, 
maybe he struggles a little bit there, even with all his knowledge. Uh, we thought, obviously, in the past, uh, before they became Team Rag the Charge, you think of uh, when he was involved with Team Santander, uh, Team Rag the Irondom as well. They were the team, again, you were looking to with their depth. And again, I think it's something that's going to be interesting you know, to hear from Magna Darlin on that because they were they were the team you're thinking, if someone's going to work, a, a team is going to work together to haul Vokuev in, it's them overall in the men's race. But it didn't happen again there. And as you say, two minutes or so at Lago di Tessero uh, at that point, and I remember Oivin Moenfield at that point, who was doubtful, we all were, we just kept thinking, the general narrative was, okay, they're going to haul Vokuev in. This has been an amazing breakaway. Uh, attempt. He's going to win this Mosquera of the day, but he's going to he's going to be hauled in and he's going to be struggling to finish on the podium. Obviously, that didn't happen, uh, and that was the amazing thing. No, none of them really were able to work together in that group. So as a result, nothing really happened. It seemed like they almost they seemed to give up a little bit on on chasing Vokuev after a while. It, it it appeared to me, and it was almost like okay, don't do anything wrong, stay in that group, get yourself in position for the other podium places. Uh, which is what happened after the the move into the stadium. After that, that we obviously saw later. After that, we saw Todd uh, Todd Ashley uh, st- start to make that move. You know, because he wasn't going to be involved in a sprint finish. As it turned out, we could understand why he was wanting uh, to make a key push uh, there. But yeah, for a while they just didn't. They didn't function uh, as a group, whether it was Ragda Charge or any of the others, just weren't able to work together. And that that naturally played to Vokuev's advantage. Uh, That's right. Uh, But after the Tessero, you mentioned that nothing really happened uh, before that in terms of that no one really wanted to take the take you know take the rain, uh, reins and or the lead. But then after Tessero, about 15k left to go, the pace really increased. And then I think they realized that Vokuev is too far away uh, to be cat uh, to be caught. Uh, but certainly the, the the pace increased and a lot of skiers started to struggle there yeah yeah and no, the kind of absolutely. formation started to happen you know the one line and all that kind of the signs of the, okay now we're getting you know getting close to the last miles before the, yeah. the, the hill yeah no 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 definitely it be kind of became a you know as often is the case you get someone ahead isn't it it becomes a race within a race in a sense you know you're keeping an eye on Vokuev Vokuev did start to tire towards the end but I mean the damage was done on the <laughs> on the on the on the on the rest of the uh, the field by that point yes he was tiring at the end he'd skied on his own for so long uh, you know, you know, uh, the elites, you know, know that, that, that how difficult that is to do. Uh, but in terms, it became a race within a race because at that point they were thinking, OK, here's the fight for second here for the podium in the Masyulonga. We need to increase the pace here, try and stretch out a little bit. The likes of a Yedal and was looking at that going, OK, I don't want this to be a bunched group, uh, you know, you know, right towards the end. That's not his sort of race. You know, you've spoken to him on this podcast before about that. Um, so, yeah, we did start to get moves there uh, overall over what was still a pretty large group at that point in the race. Uh, in the women's race, though, uh, it continued uh, with Ida and Astrid in the lead, mm. those two cat and mouse uh, behind it was Lina and uh, Britta, Johansson Nogre and Lina Koskinen, together. We didn't see that much of them uh, uh, during the last, oh, the, you know, the 15K. But then Lina was able to break away from uh, Britta and Magni and Olga were able to uh, catch Britta. And then were three of those together, um, Lina there by herself and th- those two in the lead. Yeah, I mean, pretty damaging, we were saying at this point on the commentary, Tamu, for uh, Pretty Hansen Norgren, because, of course, 
with it being the first of the Grand Classics, you've got those increased points. Um, and uh, Britta and Ida were level on points, remember? It was unbelievable. Ida had the, uh, had the bib, uh, the champion bib, but they were level, what was it, on 734 points coming in. Uh, so this was clearly important. You know, Ida was in the battle for the race win, but for Britta, because of, and again, it comes back to this point about the women's race, now that it's more competitive, you know, you and I know, again, we go back a few winters, Britta was there. Okay, when Britta doesn't win a race where it isn't to her profile, if you like, she could basically be on the podium. And therefore, because of her consistency winning other races, the you know, the champion bib, the yellow bib was hers. She could, uh, you know, she was consistent. She was along. She can't guarantee. Someone can't guarantee on that so much anymore. And we got an example of it here because of the strength of the uh, the women's field again there, that you've got the top two of them, as you say. You've got Lena, who managed to break away last year's winner into third position. And then Britta had a fight on her hands, uh, you know, with 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 uh, Olga and uh, with uh, Magni as well, for that matter, just to have that fourth position because every place, you know, at that stage, she's losing more points uh, to Ida uh, in terms of the updated standings uh, overall. So that was fascinating for me looking at that to see Britta in a slightly different role uh, from from what we've seen, especially again in recent weeks where she's been contending every time for the, uh, if not winning the race, uh, in and around it uh, on the podium. This time, okay, just need to wrap up fourth here, just limit the damage a little bit uh, and, and keep myself in position, not too far behind Ida uh, for the races to come. But she was pretty strong on the last hill, the Cascada Hill. Uh, not, uh, if I remember correctly, maybe 23 seconds uh, mm. behind uh, Ida. So very strong, uh, you know, climbing, you know, from her part. Uh, speaking of the hill, uh, it's a famous hill, Cascada Hill. Everybody talks about it. Uh, Ari and I, we talked about it, the 2.5 kilometer uh, climb and at the end of the race. But in the men's race, of course, Vokuev had a chance to take it a bit easier. He was getting tired, but he didn't really need to worry. But in the men's race, as always, there's a huge fight to get a good you know, position before the climb. There's a really narrow tunnel that you have to go under. Uh, and everybody, we saw Nigor once again using his tactical savviness and, 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 and he maneuvered his way and and managed to, uh, if I remember correctly, he was the first one to come out of out of the tunnel. But after yeah. that, then yeah. it's it was a tough tough fight. Quite a lot of people, uh, guys, back to back there, you know, in, in a line, mm. more than uh, usually seen. Yeah, 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 no, definitely, definitely more. You normally get a few there. I mean, after that, uh, th- that was the thing. I mean, I, I think you could see clearly with Yedal and that. Uh, he didn't want any of this, didn't want a massive group coming up there. So he tried to uh, to put speed in there, obviously Vukovev uh, ahead of them. It was actually interesting. It's always interesting, Temu, when you get those uh, those numbers in the commentary afterwards, because this is the unique thing. I mean, the Cascata in so many ways, everyone talks about that final climb. But the way it is in Visma Ski Classics as well, it's not a traditional uh, climb competition uh, checkpoint, because, of course, it's calculated on how quickly you do the climb. It's not who comes through first. Otherwise, obviously, Emil Vokovic's, like he did in every other aspect in the race, is taking the maximum points. It was interesting to see Maxime Villegjanin actually uh, end up with the points there. Um, uh, overall, even though, obviously, on the line, he was he was pipped in the end there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fascinating to see the group of them, as you say, up that cascata climb, employing their own tactics, 
uh, overall Casper as well, Andreas, as you mentioned, Todd, and Maxime as well. So it was really important. It was pretty high speed up there uh, as it goes uh, because they were all naturally trying to get themselves in the best possible position for the uh, for the finish in Cavalese uh, itself after that. And then the finish. I mean, of course, Bokweb, <laughs> what a performance. Wow. But right after, I mean, it was really a tight fight there. Photo finish between uh, Stados <laughs> and, and Vileksanin, uh, the skier that you just mentioned. That's mm. also something we haven't really seen that much, uh, no. much longer. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was trying to think with the, we had to keep looking. We were looking overhead, weren't we? That didn't give us any insight. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I wasn't calling that <laughs> the second place. And then we were looking at the photo, you know, and I, I think they were probably looking at the photo again and again. I mean, we're talking about centimeters, aren't we, overall there uh, between them with uh, with uh, Kasper Shados there, just pipping him in the end. Uh, Maxime Villegjanin for the uh, for the second spot. It was a pretty incredible finish, uh, you know, kind of typical if you like Cavalese finish, but even better than that for the for the second position. Uh, and then behind those two, of course, uh, Niergaard and then Yedalen for the for the for the top five. Uh, yeah, had a pretty had a lot going for it, didn't it? I mean, uh, in as as the race did as a whole, there were just so many talking points with this race, and you know, you talk about the. Uh, uh, you know, when we've commentated the race together over the years, you always talk about the magic of the Marcia Longa and everything. I think the magic was on overload <laughs> uh, this morning in terms of, uh, yeah, the sprinkling of stardust uh, along the uh, along the track, all the narrative storylines that people can reflect on that they've enjoyed. First of all, there'll be obviously naturally lots of reflection about that race. So many uh, stories, so many twists and turns, the breakaways, the shows of force, of power, tactical changes, everything uh, heading there right into Cavalese. It really was quite a watch. And also in the women's race, there was magic uh, materializing there <laughs> as well. I mean, Ida's, you know, push, you know, about a kilometer before the finish. That was pretty amazing too, because Astrid is a strong, she's a strong mm. uh, climber. But when Ida attacked, I mean, Astrid didn't really have a chance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, they both talked about that. I mean, we first of all with uh, with uh, Astrid. I mean, she was asked about it afterwards. I think that's where I, I was shocked personally that she was in contention for so long. Uh, there, considering what she's been through, but you know, she said the breathing wasn't quite where she wanted it to be when she was coming up the climb up the Cascata, and we and we saw that because. What you had on the other hand is, however strong Astrid is naturally, you've got the uh, the woman who her teammate Jenny Larson calls, I mean, Anita Dahl calls simply the machine. Uh, and we saw this machine is not malfunctioning at the moment. It's just week after week. It was literally like, OK, like another gear here. OK, I'm going to do this to you. You're you're. You're with me, Astrid. And for the rest of the field, I think Ida Dahl's mentality right now is is basically when I turn it on, when I do that, you can't match me uh, right now. I'm, I'm in such unbelievable shape. And again, we've seen that in her results uh, that she's managed to uh, produce uh, this winter. Of course, podiums. I mean, the Pustostala Ski Marathon, winning the Mountain Challenge, second at the time trial in La Venosta, winning, of course, last weekend, uh, Ladia Ganella, of course, and winning here as well. I mean, she's got unbelievable. She's got that, Tammy, she's got that amazing, um, that that captivating mix, hasn't she, really? Because she's got the uh, the confidence and she's just got the belief the confidence, the belief, the shape, everything going uh, for her at the moment. I mean, it's a long way, uh, to be honest, just one part done from this grand slam that we talk about, the 100,000 euros 
uh, there for winning all of the Grand Classics. Uh, but even more than saying Emil Vokuev, I mean, you have to look at Ida Dahl there. Okay, she's won one here. The shape she's in right now, the shape she showed on the Cascata to burn away from Astrid and uh, win this race for the first time, win the Marcia was just incredible. Uh, you know, just a show of force, of strength, confidence, everything uh, from her for uh, for herself and Team Ramadan. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the team, I mean, what a day for them, Lena third. But when we look at the men's race, they didn't reach the podium, but Johannes Eklöf, sixth, mm. Max Novak, eighth, and the young guy, 21-year-old Hermann Paus, ninth. All three skiers once again in the top 10. I mean, these guys, it's been amazing what these guys have achieved this season. Johannes and Max have both mm. already won a race. And now again, up there, not quite capable of being on the podium, but it's it's been amazing. I've been, you know, really, I'm not really surprised, but, you know, they, mm. this guy's been around. And Max has been, you know, fourth and fifth many times, had a lot of mishaps last season. But to be this strong, in particular Hermann Paus, being 21-year-old skier, that's that's amazing. I mean, this team is really flying. Yeah, I mean, I, there are a few points there, Tamu. I mean, you obviously beautifully put together the uh, the Visma Ski Classics magazine, the Pro XC Skiing, the official guide, and you know, you you look into ahead of the winter. Each winter, you look at the favourites in the competitions. You know, you've written about these guys, but at the same time, I mean, there, there was that common. Again, we've worked together over the winters. There was that common idea that you know, you're, you're the, the guys you're mentioning from Team Ramadan. You know, they're a little bit too young. You know, you need, you know, there's always that thing we talked about. You need a few years. You need to go round on the pro tour, experience the tracks, the different uh, conditions, the different events. And these young guys, you know, we saw it, obviously, Emil Persson uh, in uh, in season 11. These guys are fearless, uh, uh, you know, now. Uh, Persson, of course, with the Lager 157 ski team. Um, and we're seeing it a bit more now. I, I think Lena, Lena Korsgren and uh, Gustav, of course, uh, the... Uh, uh, the pro team director there, I think they're going to be so proud because obviously if you go back with the Ramadan project, the team Ramadan project, it was about giving young skiers, young talent a chance. And that's exactly what they've done. But it's one thing being given a chance and it's another thing to go and do what these guys are doing event after event. Of course, Max uh, Novak has just just seen the, uh, the yellow champion bib taken away from him after this race, but he's still in a great place. You mentioned Herman Paus as well, a youth skier, pink youth eligible, uh, what he's done as well. Johannes Ekloff, who uh, of course won the uh, the Prato Piazza Mountain Challenge. They've had so many good stories, uh, you know, overall there. And I just think it shows how open it is. And as I say, that big development really that you get these younger skiers, uh, you know, I don't know what you think about that. I mean, uh, you know, because th- that was the... You often said that. You said, okay, you need a little bit of time. <laughs> you know, you need to go into your 30s, say, have a little bit of time on, on, on the tour, ski a few times, and then and then you can maybe start to think of something. These guys are doing it so quickly uh, now. It, it's, it's pretty shocking uh, in, a, in a good way to be seeing that. Particularly Hermann Paus, you know, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, usually you need a little bit of experience. That's what Ari Luzu uh, kept t- uh, telling us, uh, saying about the, a lot of these gears that, if you're a first timer, it's really tough for you to perform that well. Of course, these guys, I mean, Herman Paus already uh, joined the gang last season. So this is his second season. But to do this well, uh, it's it's pretty amazing. And well, only sky is the limit for these guys. And also, 
team like the charge. We have to remember that second Gaspestados and also Andreas Nigord up there fourth. He was fighting for the podium. He was a little bit blocked, you know. He didn't really... Probably could have been a little bit better there. Not the perfect day for for this team, but for for a team who's really used to be, uh, being number one, this was probably a pretty good good day. And I'm going to ask about that. You know, I, I think Magnar is happy now. And uh, Kasper Stados won last uh, weekend. Now second, he's a new star within yeah. the uh, the Rakte ranks. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Magnar will, as we know, Magnar will be, I think he'll be delighted about that most of all, because, you know, with his experience uh, in uh, in uh, long distance cross country skiing in general, I mean, there's nothing more that a coach than a protein director likes when you have a younger skier coming into uh, the team as Casper has done and doing so well. Of course, as you say, winner of his uh, his uh, maiden Visma Ski Classic stage last weekend in Switzerland and second here uh, at Mochilonga as well uh, here today. Uh, so I think that's really going to uh, uh, delight him that they're they're moving it forward. That's the thing. You know, you need to evolve as a team for all their successes. That's what they're doing. They're pushing it forward. I think for Andreas Niergaard as well. I mean, a lot of talk around him trying to get back to his uh, his best form. Uh, you know, you mentioned the fourth position. Still hasn't won this race uh, overall for all his uh his achievements, uh, you know, was blocked off a little bit there at the end. I think that'll disappoint him. But I think overall, be encouraging for him and for Rag to charge his performance as a whole, because, of course, we've got massive weekends to come, haven't we? I mean, this is just the first of the Grand Classics. You know, you've got the Yuzerska coming up and the big ones as well. Uh, coming into March, the Vasilopit, the Birkin as well. He'll be keen for those. But, uh, yeah, it was encouraging, I think, for Niergaard and for Rag to charge as you say, a, a team that's used to former multiple winners of the, the pro team competition in, uh, uh, in previous sponsored guises, if you like. Uh, but for Magnar, I think he will be. I think he'll be pleased with the, uh, with the results overall there from uh, this morning in Cavalese. And speaking of the results, I'm going to go through the top 10 uh, in, in men's race at Machalonga and also the same with the women. So Ermil Vokuev from Russian winter team, he was the winner. Then Kasper Stados from Team Rack the Charge. Second, Maxim Vileksan in Russian winter team. Third, Andreas Nigor, Team Rack the Charge. Fourth, Turase Yedalen, uh, Team XPND. Fuel, fifth, Johannes Eklöf, Team Ramutten. Sixth, Alexei Shemiakin, Russian winter team. Seventh, Max Novak, Team Ramutten. Eighth, Hermann Paus, the same team. Ninth, and Magnus Westerheim, Team Kapebrüggeriet. It's been a good year for him as well. Finally, Magnus Westerheim. This is something uh, Ari and I, uh, I talked about it, that he's finally kind of fulfilling the promise uh, that's been uh, bestowed upon him. Uh, the, he's been around. But yep. he's getting closer. Yeah, no, definitely did well in the time trial, didn't he? Uh, a few weekends ago, was uh, was top five there at the uh, the Lavanosta time trial as well. So good to see him come through because, as you say, uh, he's a name that we've been mentioning in the live coverage, in the commentary, you know, in your writing around it as well, uh, with the pro team uh, athletes, with the skiers as well. So yeah, good to see Vesterheim, you know, start to deliver on that potential uh, that we've talked him up and actually get those sorts of uh, results, you know, top five, top 10 finishes, which as we know, again, in Visma Ski Classics now, if you're finishing top five, top 10, particularly in that men's field, uh, that is no mean achievement uh, with the with the depth of uh, of talent that is in that field right now. 
And the result list uh, in the women's race is as follows. Ida Dahl, number one, Team Ramutten, Astrid Ures Lindt, second, Team Kuteng Edison, and then Lina Koskren, Team Ramutten, third, Britta Johansson-Nugren, Lager 157, Ski Team, fourth, Magnis Medos, Team Echehus, fifth, Olga Tsareva, Russian Winter Team, sixth, Laila Kveli, two-time Vasa Lopet, uh, winner Team Engong seventh Annikenia de Alnes Team Rack the Charge eighth Heli Heiskan and the best Finn uh, Slavia Pojistovna Sport Team representing this uh, Czech team and then Anna Jönsson Haag Team Cafe Bruggeriet uh, good to see Anna Haag that high up uh, being a former cross country ski legend you know from Sweden a lot of medals you know from the world championships mm-hmm. and the, the Olympics and so forth it's a relatively good, you know, comeback for this uh, mother of two. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we were talking about um, on the commentary as well about having these uh, these stars, if you like, uh, pitting themselves uh, against uh, what, you know, what it's all about really in uh, in Visma Ski Classics. And of course, uh, yeah, Anna Hag. I mean, you go back to the, uh, was it the Sochi um, Olympics where she got the gold in the relay. Big moment that for uh, Sweden. We've had Marit Björgen, of course, uh, involved in the uh, in the pro tour here in season twelve as well. We've had to raise Johaug in the uh, in the past. Should have her involved again as well at some point. So yeah, it just it just adds to it all. Really, I think it just adds to the nature of things. I think people what people are realizing about Visma Ski Classics, about the long distance cross country ski championship, that this is a you know a pro tour. Uh, a brand, if you like, uh, a competition that just doesn't stand still. It's always adding, uh, always adding different aspects, always trying to develop, always trying to grow, evolve. And that's just, as you say, Anna Haag in there uh, is just yet another example of it, really, uh, that the organisation, uh, the competition as a whole, just isn't content to stay still, you know, to stand still. is always trying to grow and, and, and to move forward in the best way. And I now think it's a good time to uh, take a break, you and me, and and, and call Magnar and, and find out what he wants to say about the race and, and his team. And then Guy will continue, we'll wrap this up uh, by taking a look at the uh, the future and the remaining races uh, in Season 12. But next, Magnar Dahlen from Team Rakte Charge. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you well. Um, so, Magnar, first of all, it's good to have you on our podcast, but I think you're pretty happy now. This was finally something that you've been waiting for from your team. Kasper, of course, a winner uh, from uh, last weekend, but now second. Uh, also, uh, Nigord, fourth, uh, Anniken, eighth in a women's race. I assume you're relatively happy. Yeah, it was a good race for us. Uh, but we are, of course, very impressed about uh, Ermel Vukoyev's skiing today. It was a good uh, tactical choice to go uh, hard in the beginning, and the uh, bigger teams was uh, not connected to try to catch up with him. And afterwards, we are in our team a little bit uh, uh, sad that we didn't uh, put action earlier. <clears throat> but the big hands to Ermel and... Uh, uh, well done and congratulations. Why didn't anyone try to uh, to catch him? Um, Stato uh, uh, said at the interview that they were a bit confused. Yeah, it's, it is very simple that uh, everybody wants to save as uh, or to use as uh, 
little power as possible until last 10 kilometers. And uh, this was the penalty for doing it this way. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting and challenging and uh, very much look alike what we can see in uh, biking in summertime. And then uh, what about Anniken? I mean, she was eight, uh, and it seems to me that she's now focusing on the sprint competition is, uh, quite a lot. Is that something that you guys told her to do, to get as many uh, sprint points as possible in every race? <clears throat> yeah, that is what she is focusing on. And this is uh, still her second year as a marathon skier coming from the sprint side. And uh, she is getting better and better. And I think that um, next year she will climb up uh, even more. And then it's maybe more realistic to go for the total and to start to fight for the first uh, top six uh, races. But she was very happy about the race today and said that uh, this was uh, in ski classics, my best long distance race. And, and speaking of the women's race, was there anything that surprised you or pretty much the business as usual, meaning eat our tag, Australia was second. Yeah, Ida is uh, in, uh, in very good shape and winning uh, many races, and she is the strongest. Australia has been out for with COVID, so I was impressed that she was able to ski this fast today. Uh, Emilia stopped the race. Uh, we know that she also is a strong skier in the last April and probably would have been there. Uh, we see with Lina that she is uh, coming closer and closer now. So when we are coming to Bartholopet, I guess that uh, uh, she will be fighting for the victory. Britta was amazing in uh, Valvanosta. Fantastic time there. Uh, not the best day today, but uh, it will be interesting in the next race in Yserka. It's quite uh, open in the ladies, and it's. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm really happy because it's so interesting to watch the ladies' races, and you don't know in forehand how it will end. It's very exciting to follow. And then Kasper Stados. He won last week and now second. So he is now number one skier in your team. Of course, Oscar now yeah. has injured, you know, which is unfortunate, of course, after that accident. But I guess you guys knew that he he's in a shape based on the, the training and sessions he had in the summer. Uh, no, that uh, he would be this good. We could not uh, uh, dream about maybe in the in the summertime. But um, sometimes the flower is uh, coming early and. Uh, uh, Kasper um, get in flower very very early, and now he is with the yellow jersey, so it's uh, it's fantastic. Um, and then what about Andreas Nigor? Fourth now. I mean, he's getting better and better, and we know how what he's capable of once he kind of finds his mojo. Yeah, he is uh, coming step by step, uh, and if he stays healthy after this trip. Uh, I think he's in a very good position to be in top shape for uh, Yeserka, Tartu, and, uh, and Vosalopet. What about the other skiers in your team? Hurl, maybe not exactly what you maybe uh, hope for. Uh, and uh, the other guys, are they performing as you expected? Or what do you want to say about them? 
with uh, Johan Hol, he have not had uh, uh, the best season so far, and this is his first season when he is going for long distance skiing, and you can be kind of uh, overtrained uh, or uh, not to getting the body in total balance. Uh, so we know that he can ski much better than what he have uh, showed up. Carsten uh, Newhow is uh, working more or less full-time, so he's not doing all the races, but uh, performing well. Uh, Johan have not had the best season so far, and Anders have uh, struggled a bit with uh, sickness and, and flus. But uh, so far, we don't have any COVID virus in, in our team, so we are happy about that. And, you just mentioned uh, uh, Auckland, but he performed really well today. I mean, 40, 49 years, almost 50 uh, years old, and still going that strong. I mean, we always wonder about that. But how can he be so strong? I mean, he, he's always so passionate about skiing. I mean, skiing is his life. But to be that good at that age? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think everything is about motivation, man. Skiers who are in the end of their career, when you hear that they are talking about, ah, I'm looking forward to have longer vacations, to stay more time with the family and doing this and doing this. Anders is uh, still talking about the next training camp and the next race and uh, <laughs> just uh, just go forward. So I am, I have seen many old skiers who have continued their career quite long time, but Nobody is uh, even close to to on the south long. It's a uh, it's a unicorn. No one's close. And he can still be top ten. Yeah, but he can still be top ten in in Valsalop, but, uh, So uh, fantastic. Indeed, he could and can. Uh, speaking of Valsalop and the upcoming races, after this, I mean, there's a two week break right now before he says, then again a break. Uh, two important races. Uh, Two other stages uh, in the Grand Classics, the Brisma Grand Classics Trophy competition. What are you guys doing? You're going home, but uh, training-wise, and how are you uh, preparing for those two races that are coming up? And Tartu. Yeah, now we go. Uh, we, we go home to tomorrow, and uh, some of the athletes have stayed down for five weeks now, and uh, they are getting a little bit homesick and want to get uh, get home. And then we go to Yeserka with more or less full team. Uh, but mentally, the preparation has started for Wasserloch, but that is what is uh, the important thing. And for uh, Tartu, we probably will go with a very small team because we need to have a good training period before Wasserloch. So in the protein competition, you guys are now fourth, and you were three you were able to climb up a little bit. But that's kind of a situation that you're not really used to. I mean, your team's always been pretty much number one or fighting for the number one spot. But this yeah. year has been a bit different. I mean, so many great teams, and Team Ramutin continues uh, in the lead. Yeah. We have put a low attention to the team competition this year. After uh, we lost Martin Allen Johansson that retired, uh, then we felt that to to be fighting for the victory in the team competition will be more or less uh, impossible. And the result so far is also that way, that uh, this is not our focus at the moment, the team competition. We focus on the big races and to try to make uh, good uh, single races with uh, good results and the uh, 
to be on the podium uh, one, two, or three in the team competition will uh, not be easy, and we, we are not paying too much attention to that. We have to rethink this and see for next year again as we go back to try to fight for the team competition. And then what about Mari Björgen? Of course, we all wanted to see her in this race, but she got sick in the COVID. I would assume we'll see her in the Pasalopet and in some of the races that are coming up. Yeah, she the, she should have skied here in Malaysia Longa and was prepared for that. But uh, unfortunately, the world is that way with COVID. And when her son get, uh, was COVID positive, then she went into quarantine. And when she tested uh, the day after, she was also positive. So we hope that she will recover fast and well from that. And uh, the goal is that she will do is like marathon, and then um, she is aiming for Barcelona, of course. And then we have all these great races left, and the Scandinavian part, and obviously I assume that's very uh, something that you also personally like uh, quite a lot. But what are you expecting, not just from your team, but overall from these uh, races that we have left? We're halfway through in terms of the number of races, but of course the season is still long. Uh, but seven races done, seven races left to go. Personally, what do you expect to see uh, towards the end of the, the season? Uh, I think we will have some changes in the results. Uh, it's uh, those that have a bad for the first part of the season quite often can have a, the last part of the season and opposite. So, uh, like we mentioned, Nygaard, I think he has possibilities to be very strong uh, I'm quite sure that Lina Korsgren will be back again and fighting for the... For, she, she is back again, but I think that she is able to win very soon. Um, so, and hopefully we will see even some new skiers uh, from the World Cup circus who is coming, especially when we come to the tough races with uh, Birkebeiner and the race alert that I'm sure we will have some World Cup skiers uh, performing very well. That'll be interesting to see, of course. And since you've been around uh, for a long time, you know, and, and Bisma Ski Classics, and uh, this is the, the last question now, where do you, what the status of, of this tour and the brand right now? I mean, it, it keeps changing. A lot of new things uh, are being introduced uh, every year, and it has certainly grown over the years. But your professional yeah. opinion? My is that um, my opinion is that uh, uh, according to the current situation around in the world with COVID, sometimes with the snow, uh, ski classics are doing a fantastic work to uh, keep the races, to find alternatives. Uh, of course, my opinion is that. Uh, Long-distance races should be long-distance races, and if they are less than 50 kilometers, I am a little bit negative to that. But uh, we have also to accept that uh, the situation with snow and uh, healthy situations and rules uh, is uh, that is needed to improve, and that we are doing very well. But I'm looking forward to the last part of the season where we have really good long-distance races. That is what I find uh, most interesting. Indeed, that'll be interesting to see how those races turn out. Uh, but thank you very much, uh, Magnar. Uh, good luck with your team. Uh, travel safely back home and uh, try to stay healthy. That's the key thing, isn't it?
Yes, exactly. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. So that was Magna Dalin uh, from Team Rakta Charge. Uh, happy, of course, uh, that his team finally is getting where it uh, belongs. A really good day for uh, uh, Stados uh, being second. But, Guy, we still have many races left, pretty much halfway through in terms of the, the number of races. Of course, in terms of the length or the uh, the time, we still have <laughs> two and a half months to go. But it's been really hectic, you know, two races back to back and ra- a race every weekend. Now, the, it changes a bit. Now we have these big races coming. There are, there are breaks in between, two-week breaks uh, between this one and Yiserska. Then again, two weeks and two weeks and so forth. And then we have all the great races uh, in Scandinavia towards the end of the season. What do you want to say about those races? Ah, well, there's a, what, what can't you say about them? I mean, it, there's a lot going on there, of course. Uh, it's always great to see the the Yazerska as well, which is uh, next up, another one of the uh, the Grand Classics. And then Tartu as well. I mean, Tartu, if you look at the history of uh, the Pro Tour, has been involved before, but not for many years, uh, Tartu. But it's actually, a, as we all know, it's a, a very important race there uh, in Estonia. So great to have that back uh, in the Pro Tour as well. There's a couple of races coming up. And then, as you say, I mean, you always look forward to uh, to March in Visma Ski Classics, don't you? Because of these historic races, a little bit like the one we've just had. I mean, you've got you've got the Vasalopit. I don't think we need to say any more about that race and what that means uh, to everyone, not least uh, the pro team skiers there. Uh, massive race, the biggest race in its own right, the Crown Jewel, uh, the Birkin as well. Uh, so important. Then you have Aura as well, the 100K, uh, the longest race. Reistad Lopit as well, extremely tough uh, in terms of that terrain, uh, the track there. And then we end up, uh, everyone always having fun at uh, Liss Levy in your uh, or your home country, uh, Temu there, which always serves as a, a fantastic setting. Uh, it's going to be interesting actually coming out of, hopefully we're coming out of the pandemic as well, uh, a little bit more there come a- April time. Uh, how that'll all be, because, uh, you know, I just think it's it's going to be so interesting now coming out of that a little bit more, hopefully over the next months, uh, how that has an impact uh, on the Pro Tour, the development of it over the course of uh, uh, season 12 as well. I'm just really excited about these big races and with the quality of the field, uh, Temu. I think uh, the fact that we, what's the phrase you often use looking ahead to it? It's an open field. You know, the whole time there's so many who can win and you've got these massive, massive races. We got a we got an insight into it uh, with the Marcia as well, because that's the first of the really big races. And we've got so much more to come. So, uh, yeah, I just think in general, it's going to be interesting. This Grand Slam as well, if this can keep going, we'll see uh, a couple of weekends time whether uh, Emil Vokuev and or Ida Dahl can keep going because that's got everyone talking since it was brought in. Uh, in uh, season 11, this Grand Slam concept, the 100,000 euros, uh, you know, overall, can someone win uh, all four of them uh, in the in the same winter? It seems a tall order uh, to do it in terms of keeping your shape and the fact they're spread out, the different uh, course profiles as well. But we'll keep tabs on that. It's something for us all to discuss and uh, we'll see after the Yuzerska about that. But yeah, just really excited, Tamu, because... You know, finally on that, looking at the competitions, you know, we have so many competitions, of course, in Visma Ski Classics, but look at all those competitions. Most of those competitions, they are absolutely up for grabs going into this second half of the season. And I'm not just talking 
about the yellow champion bib competitions for the men and the women. But what about the sprint? What about the climb? And what about the pro team? Uh, competitions, all absolutely uh, in the melting pot, in the mix. And that's got to be a good thing for, you know, something I know you're absolutely passionate about, development of the sport, uh, growing the sport, evolving it. If you've got good competitions amongst the pro teams, amongst those athletes, that's only going to help the sport uh, and the pro tour to grow further going forward. Good that you brought up all those uh, competitions. Then, and if you guys out there uh, listening to this are interested in uh, checking out the standings, you can go uh, to our website, vismaskiclassics.com, and I'm not going to read all the uh, you know the standings at this stage. Uh, but it's definitely an, an open game there, and we have the youth competition, climb competition, sprint competition, protein competition, and then the overall the champion competition. And now, uh, as a Guy mentioned, uh, the Cran Classics. Uh, Visma Grand Classics trophy competition that just started with Machalonga. He says Caparesatka being the next one and then Vasa Lopet and Pirke Benerenet. Of all these great races, uh, which one is your favorite to uh, commentate on? Can you can can you can you can you say? <laughs> uh, in terms of the ones coming or the winter of all the races, whoa, not just the, whoa, not the ones yeah. coming. You saving your uh, your toughest questions here for <laughs> for the back end of the chat. Um I think it. I think uh, in terms of profile, the one that I've enjoyed, uh, not done it for actually for a couple of winters, but hoping to, uh, depending on how we work things out uh, on this winter, uh, the Reistad Loppet, actually, uh, for me, um, just because I'm fascinated to see who's going to be the first to double pole that uh, all the way through, uh, all the way through, easily double pole it. Can't be too far away, right? <laughs> it could happen this, this season. We have to remember that Peter Eliasen was fifth uh two, two years ago uh, he was close and he had a Nuden Red Bull Nudenschlopet be, uh, behind him a week before so yes he must have been tired you know at that yeah. stage yeah. but that, so yeah. yeah one of these days it'll definitely uh it's going to happen and yeah. then I mean, I, I, yeah yeah it's an incredible i think that's an incredible profile i think most people tell me you ask i think i think you're of that opinion as well i mean that's probably you know, it's up there as the toughest uh, profile that's in the tour uh, overall. So it's an extreme challenge. Uh, it's always a very exciting race as well. I mean, uh, love commentating. You know, all of the all of the uh, pro tour events. I think this is something you've discussed. Uh, you discussed with Tor Ashley Darling on the last uh, podcast as well. You know, because there was the traditional thing, the traditional uh, long distance champions, the legends. Were if you'd looked at something like the Lavernosta time trial, they turn their noses up at it a little bit in the past. They go, "Oh, that's not." That's not long distance cross country skiing. What's that doing in the pro tour? Uh, but I think the change, there's been a bit of change in mentality there. Um, I think uh, everyone's realizing that for a tour to be successful going forward, you need different profiles, you need different lengths of races. And when you have that, you have different winners, you have different skiers, you test uh, different attributes uh, going forward. And I think that's what we're getting towards if we're not already there in terms of uh, in terms of this winter. You look at season 12, you know, you ask about a favorite race. I think they're just, if you look at the season the pro tour as it is, in the context of a COVID-19 pandemic, what the organisation have done here uh, is pretty incredible to me. 
uh, in terms of the variety of races uh, that we've had. You know, we've had our pro team tempo. We've had our individual prologue. We've had our longer races. The mountain challenge was interesting. We had that time trial. La Diagonella, always an exciting race there in Switzerland, in the Engadin uh, Valley, San Moritz. And then, of course, now we have our Grand Classics as well. Uh, so we have the Reisted Loppet on top of that um, as well with that incredibly tough profile. So, yeah, I'm looking out for that race in uh, Norway, Bardefoss, of course. Uh, but there's so much else to look forward to uh, in terms of, uh, hey, variety is the spice of life, isn't it? And I think that's what that's what Visma Ski uh, Classics is all about, really, in terms of the brand and what it's bringing here uh, in season 12, what it's going to bring going forward. Well said, you know, but if this was a, diff- a difficult or uh, a hard question, uh, my next next <laughs> one would be even harder. I, I your thought that picks. was coming. <laughs> yeah, yes, your picks, your picks, Ooh. you know, for, for the winners uh, in the cha- not, not just the champion com- competition. Let's not talk about the other, other categories, but who is going to be the king and the queen of Bisma Ski Classics season 12? I mean, yeah, Temu, come on. I mean, this is a, <laughs> a very, very... Di- I mean, I think on the women's side, it's tough to look past Ida Dahl um, uh, right now. Not just the recent form she's in. A lot can happen. She obviously holds uh, the uh, the champion bib on her own now. Just seems to have real belief. I was... I'm just always taken with her and Yeni Larson again. I, You know, it's been great working with Yeni uh, through the winter so far. You've worked with her as well. Yeni obviously has that inside as well in Team Ramadan. I think Yeni's been surprised. You know, she knows Ida extremely well, what she can do. But I think what you're seeing with Ida Dahl, uh, we mentioned on the commentary that she's improved her skiing in the flat sections so much. And we saw that again uh, in, in the Marchilonga as well when she was skiing with Astrid. Um you know, Ida just seems to be like a sponge. She's just learning all the time. So you've got that incredible base of a of an athlete there. But, you know, you look at 12 months ago, if we just give one example to illustrate this, you look at Machilonga last year where she was in contention there at the bottom, of, at the start of the Cascata with Lina uh, Korsgren there and with Emily Fletton and then didn't do the best climb there. OK, ends up three quarters of a minute back. You contrast it with the way she manages the Cascata against Astrid, the rest of the field here. She's learned a lot there. She's reflecting. You know, that's the thing, isn't it? In addition to the ability, it's the ability to also learn from your experiences. So I think that's something with her that she's still a very, very, still very, very early on in her career, in a sense, but already seems to be so mature in terms of her performances and has that unbelievable shape right now. So tipping her on the women's side of things, the men's is tougher, uh, frankly, Tamu. Obviously, we've had a change in ownership of uh, the the yellow champion bib uh, there. We saw we saw Tord Ashley, who's won it, obviously, uh, a couple of times before, just make some movement up the standings. Difficult to go past him, to look past him overall, I think, uh, he's got some ground to make up, but of course he's got the ultimate experience uh, in those, you know, we talk about those big races uh, to come. You know, he's been building his shape steadily. I think you got the impression a little bit there at the end of the race today that he's still not even quite there yet. You know, he's had his problems, uh, you know, away from that. He's building back, obviously won the Lavanos, the time trial, uh, you know, then ran out of puff a little bit by his, on his own accounts. You know, he talked to you on the podcast about that last week in uh, in Switzerland. And here again, I mean, he's, you know, he was, you just sensed a little bit. He gave it his all at the Cascata and then just ran out a little bit. So still thinking with Todd, Ashley, that there's a bit more to come 
uh, overall. And that's what excites me from his point of view, that he can possibly win the champion bib again, uh, because he's got races coming up that are huge, that will inspire him like everyone else. Uh, but he's got that experience against uh, some of the other contenders at the top, you know, the likes of a Kasper uh, Stados now, a, a Max Novak, uh, you know, who he's going to need to overhaul. Uh, therefore, it's I, I lean towards him, but I'm not ruling out either of those two or indeed a couple of other contenders maybe to get in the mix because, of course, we've got so many points to play for. Uh, you know, to to go there in terms of those grand classics, it makes a massive difference, 300 points and staggered down for the winner. Uh, you know, we've seen that here in the much longer. And I think we're going to see that the remaining grand classics events, the other events. So there's a lot to go. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm leaning uh, toward Ashley, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few of those other one of those those others uh, win the uh, the yellow champion bib in the end either. Well, guy, I have to have to agree with you. Those were the two names that that oh. I had in mind when I asked you the question. Ida, of course, uh, you know for sure. But Atul Asle, I also kind of count on his experience, and he's a very even skier. I mean, he's always up there. He doesn't really have a bad day. Uh, he knows how to, how to win, and a lot of good races coming up that really suit him um, well. Of course, other skiers like Max and I was as Stardust and Nigod will improve a lot, I think. Unfortunately, Oscar Cardin's kind of out of the game. Uh, he was in a, a car accident, uh, injured. Uh, but I have to say that uh, maybe Ed Allen. But Again, it's, yeah. a, it's a really yeah. an open, what, what, open what, what, game. One thing there. I would say, Temu, on that that you just mentioned is we wish uh, we obviously wish Oscar Cardine well after the uh, after the accident as well uh, in terms of news developing from that because uh, you know he's a top guy as well uh, as well as a top skier. Um, so yeah, we wish him well with that. I think everyone and it was a message at the start, obviously, of the uh, at the race in the start area in Moena about that. Uh, he's a pleasure to commentate. I know you you know you've had him on the podcast before. He's great in interviews as well. He's just a great guy. So uh, yeah. Absolutely wish him well uh, from uh, Rag the Charge on his recovery. We all do uh, wish that he'll he'll get well and can come back. And also, it's really sad to uh, hear that uh, Jenny Larson won't be able to race uh, this season. Of course, it's pretty, really tough tough for her. But, you know, that's kind of the name of the game. Sometimes you get injured and uh, or sick and that can ruin your, sometimes even a career, but at least a season or or a racist that happens all the time. But Guy, thank you very much. It's been really en- enlightening. And, and as, as always, you know, and it's great to talk to you. It's been a while since you you and I have, been, <laughs> have had a chance to, to have a chat like this or even commentate together. Uh, I will commentate the next two races uh, for Visma Ski Classics. Yiselska uh, Baresatka and then Tartu. And then you will do some more in March. Uh, of course, after Tartu, we'll have Vasalope, then Birke, Birke, no Birke Banner, Rennet, uh, Orefels, Lopet, and Reistelöpe, the race that you talked about. And then the fi- grand finale is Ulleslevi in Finland. So those are the races left. But as I said, thank you very much. Uh, no worries at all, Temu. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, great to chat to you and everything go along with that completely. Uh, yeah, fantastic race and we've got more to come. Uh, obviously, as you say, in the rest of season 12. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, great to catch up with you. We'll, uh, you know, we'll do more soon, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's been good to catch up again. And you folks out there, stay tuned for more uh, episodes, more podcast uh, Usha Tulevi episodes to come. And of course, stay tuned for the next stage of Visma Ski Classics season 12. That'll be Iseska Paresatka in the Czech Republic. For now, bye-bye, take care, and stay healthy. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.
This podcast is sponsored by Salomon. Salomon is a French sports equipment manufacturing company based in the heart of the French Alps. Now Salomon brings to the market a more sustainable Nordic ski, S-Max E-Skin. This new S-Max E-Skin is more environmentally friendly since 45% of the ski core is made of recycled plastic bottles. This new Salomon S-Max E-Skin is the best option for active skiers who are looking for a performance and flexible free solution.